Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, today's Cow Daily. Today, we've got Graham Cansdale from Tusk. Um, without further ado, I'll bring him in. He's a canny lad. He can tell you all about it himself. Graham, tell us all about you. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Uh, uh, good to actually see you in the flesh. I've followed you for quite a while. We've spoken sporadically over the years. I have, mate. Remember when you've done the, the Camino walk in Spain and stuff like that? Um, the other thing we have in common, we both fell off our bikes within 24 hours of each other, and really? it uh, kind of wrecked me year or nearly did. I wasn't as so was bad early January. Yeah, what tell us about yours first? What happened? Uh, <laughs> well, we're winter riding in the dark, you know, you're going 25 miles an hour, and your mate in the front of the peloton doesn't tell you there's an approaching cyclist. Shit. You make the slightest adjustment, and yeah, screaming your chin along the uh, concrete. Thankfully, I have a lot of protection on me chin, you know, so I was all right I... whereas you got injured. Did you lose any any beard? Like, any <laughs> no, actually, it's still here. This is, a, uh, this is a remnant of COVID, you know. Uh, I started growing it because of utter boredom and getting uh, mistaken for Steve Wraith too often, you know, so I thought we had to uh, uh, differentiate in looks as well as politics, <laughs> you know. What about that? What about that? Um, mate, well, mine, I... I... I just got knocked off by a car. It was pretty savage, like, but I'm all right. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. Actually, strangely enough, two days ago, um, I went on a bike. Like, like, I mean, it might as well have garlic hanging off the sides of it. It's a proper one of them bikes, you know. But um, I went on one for the first time, and I was a bit scared to be honest. And like, I my background like cycling instructor and stuff, so to give wow. like people context, it was well scary. I, like realized how traumatized I actually was by what happened to us. But at the time, I had so much going on in my personal life, I had to kind of park it a bit. Like, well, I know you've had that. Sorry, I, I know you've had other health issues as well. But uh, to be honest, I've been on the bike twice since I, I fell off in January. And uh, I know people say get back on the bike or get back on the horse, but uh, it's not so easy, you know. Um, it's, it's a not. psychological barrier to jump over, you know. There certainly is. And I've I like definitely when traffic's around, I'm like tensing up. And I was never like that. I would be like bloody like slipstreaming lorries on the A69 with me racer, you know what I mean? Ah, oh, so you're one of them lunatics that spoil it for us. By the way, like uh, for us mammals, you know, middle-aged men in Lycra, but ah, I'm yeah, not yeah. only a mammal, I'm uh, I'm one of the few taxi driving uh, mammals in probably in the northeast, if not the world, you know. So this is I can see it from one. both perspectives. I wanted to bring this up with you, right? Because most people perceive taxi drivers to be like far right or whatever, and you're not, are you? You're left wing. So tell us about that. Like, how, how, firstly, how did you start off getting into uh, taxi driving and how did it, all the political stuff like come? Well, well, taxi driving I've done for the last eight years. Uh, I'll yeah. deal with the uh, perception of right wing taxi drivers. Um, I've had them before, you know, when you jump into a cab. Well, they're not all like that, and I have to yeah. say, maybe that comes from a stereotype which has been propounded by the media or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. we're not all uh, driving around with the Sun or the Daily Star on the uh, on my dashboard and raving about uh, you know brown people in boats. Um, uh, taxi driving for me has uh, been a life changer. Um, yeah. I, I would have always considered myself political, and yet I never um, actually indulged in politics myself. I, you know, I was one of these people, I'm 52 years old now, I was one of these people who uh, voted Labour all his life and thought uh, his, his interests were best served by, you know, trotting out and voting the way his mum and dad and his and his, uh, his area in class did for years, you know. Um, my background, I drifted into uh, taxi driving. Um, I, I was the first in my generation, back, way back in the uh, late 80s, to... It, First generation in my, fam in my family, rather, to go to university. Um, nice I, 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 uh, I studied American studies. I went to study in the States for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and another bro uh, podcast, I'll probably tell you that I might have met Jeffrey Dahmer in April 1990 in Milwaukee. Um, oh, man, right, I'm going to have to ask you about this <laughs> later on. I'm going to park this up, right? Jeffrey Dahmer stories are the one. Carry on, though. Tell us more. Um, hi, so, you know, um, my background is I left university uh uh, with no idea what I wanted to do, but full of ideals. I went to work um, for about seven or eight months for Cambridge Cyrenians, uh, uh, a homeless charity, as you'll know. Oh, yeah. They've changed their name since, I think. Um, running a hostel, and then you realise that, you know, you can be as idealistic as you want, but you need the tools to be dealing with homelessness and all of the multiple issues that that brings along. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I was way out of my depth, let's face it, you know. Um, and to be honest, uh, I moved back to New Newcastle, um, uh, basically because Newcastle United started doing really well. Keegan had come back, you know, the, the second coming and all that, you know. Uh, yeah. I was a big football fan. And then for years, you know, your, your personal life gets in the way. You get a job, you know, you run through different jobs. And I was a civil servant and stuff. Um, I become self-employed uh, and ran a removal company. And then very briefly joined the NHS. Again, idealism bloomed up in uh, in my forties, and I thought I joined the NHS. I joined the uh, uh, the ambulance services. Um, ambulance service. I was probably the worst uh, uh, emergency uh, uh, blue light driver in the world. Good driver, but uh, no experience really of. Uh, the medical side of things, and I have to say, at the time it was, it was NHS as well. By the way, it was a real eye opener for me for the the lack of funding, the lack of training, and the the, the real pressure on people. So you know, uh, big, a big uh, thumbs up for all those people who stuck out on my training course and went on to greater things and do a great job. I have to say something now. My starting salary, and this is seven years ago. As a blue light ambulance driver going to car accidents, whatever you can imagine, as a red one alert, was the salary was sixteen thousand six hundred and sixty-six pounds a year. You're joking. Two and a half thousand pounds less than a North Tyneside bin man at the time. With all due respect, the bin men uh, who probably deserve a pay rise as well. That's oh, a real eye opener. Well, it is definitely. I geez, so, was that just for like the first six months, or does that just go up? Or, like, uh, well, there's a crew the, obviously it goes with time served and accruements and stuff like that, and there was a shift allowance. But basically, those kind of uh, those kind of salaries, even even with the things I've just mentioned, would not pay a, a, a rent and put food on the table for a family. And hence, we're at where we are now, where we have millions of people who are so-called uh, benefit claimants who are in full-time work, you know, or other in work but don't get enough full-time hours to actually pay the basics in life. And that's why, um, through football politics as well, um, I got involved with the Mike Ashley Out campaign. I was one of the founders. We um, we wanted to take on Mike Ashley at uh, NUFC. Uh, met some like-minded people, kind of inspired, but more like, more by Abby Hoffman and the Yippies than uh, <laughs> any kind of left-wing politics. But um, we decided to uh, uh, approach taking on the Mike Ashley regime with a humorous touch, you know. I took my dad's heritage break back. We done all sorts of street theatre and stuff like that. As that developed, um, I, I started realising that Newcastle United was just a microcosm, and football in general is a microcosm of the wider political world. Yeah. I drifted. I, I met a guy called John Cole, who was a United Community um, uh, organizer, and he was running a wider campaign against uh, Ashley Sports Direct Empire. And that's when all of the stuff I started moving in circles, where I met people from the Socialist Party and and Tusk reformed after um, the Jeremy Corbyn de uh, debacle uh, when he was stabbed in the back by his own party, basically. Mm. All right. So that, that I know that's a long good. story. I apologise. No, it's all good, mate. That's interesting. So they're like that's you went from the Mike Ashley out campaign, and that's how you've kind of got mobbed up with Tusk. That's interesting, man. Like I was, um, I remember that time. I, I remember he's had a, a T-shirt, and it was based on the Solidarity logo from. Um, I've still <laughs> got, I've still got that T-shirt. I saw it right. It's in the cupboard at my mum's house. Um, and it, on the back, uh, on the back though, that you just put Comic Sans on, which is like the the font, which is inexcusable. <laughs> well, you know what it is. I have to apologise personally because it was designed uh, by me and uh, and a friend. You know, um, right. that, front, the front was amazing. Was... Seriously, like that, I loved the front of it. I was just like, bloody hell, they know what they're doing these. But the back, well, of the comic well, well the other thing on the there. back uh, for those people who didn't know was. Uh, uh, supporting the team, fighting the regime or whatever, I, I, I think at some stage everyone had, had come to different um, mm -hmm. conclusions at different times, but basically it come down to, in my opinion, uh, having to make the biggest decision, which, which was to boycott uh, and, and yeah. withdraw all financial uh, support to the club. I was one of the ones like yeah. doing it too, took my season ticket, um, stopped buying any strips, shirts, not a, not a sausage and mm. um i only went back to one game and it was free anything that like you know me mate's free ticket but what happened with me was i um well me and my pal chalk right we went to the um 
Newcastle played Chelsea and they beat them like um it was 2 0. But he's like, Look, Gator are playing a late game. Do you wanna do you wanna gan? Because like we'll just gan, you know. So we jumped in a taxi and caught caught that that game. It was now see trade, but I loved it because it reminds yeah. us of the Gallagher in the like sort of nineties where it was just proper, like working class people, you were paying like a tenner to get in, it was just great. Yeah. And I've never looked back. So what like did you I'm I'm still conflicted because my boyhood club, but I don't know if I could call myself a Newcastle supporter in 2023. What do you think? Like, where are you at with it? Well, look, I, I still don't go to games. I haven't been to a game since August 2008. That was Kevin Keegan's uh, last game in charge. Um, mm. So my perspective is probably a little bit different to some people's, but um, you can't blame the fans for what's happened. I have no. reservations about, uh, obviously, the wider politics of it and, uh, and the Saudi regime. Um, however, um, you've got to, if you're going to object to things, you have to do it for uh, the right reasons as well. Yeah. Uh, and this is not what about readers to point out other people's hypocrisy. Um, if you want to really um, reform football uh, and football governance, then you need to um, be having fan ownership. You need to be having um, uh, wage caps. Um, you need to have people uh, who, who fans who have actually say in the institutions that run the game. Um, you can't deal with clubs in isolation. Newcastle is only a product of what's been going on for a long time, which is the absolute uh, proliferation of mega money. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, wrote, I wrote articles at one point for all of the different Newcastle fanzines, and it was usually around about politics because you had lots of people moralise. No one was objecting to Mike Ashley when he was this uh, billionaire who was getting all these free advertising, and that's because Newcastle weren't doing anything. You know, they were rubbish. They existed to fill Mike Ashley's pockets. Now you've got the uh, Saudis who have genuinely come in and have uh, ambition for the football club. Um, and as a Newcastle fan, I think that's great. They haven't put a foot wrong on the football side of things. At the end of the day, though, we can't ignore what's going on the outside. But you can't deal with it in isolation. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of, like, you know, it's not just the Maccams, you know. You'll have the Liverpool fans um, having a go at, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the Saudi regime. Well, you know, Standard Chartered uh, have uh, uh, their, up to their arms and their blood money in Iran and Iraq. Um the, the vice chairman of, who, who, of FSG, who run Liverpool Football Club, uh, supplied his aeroplanes free of charge for rendition flights for the CIA, you know? That's all available just, out just there, but you never read about it. It's not about that for me. What it's about is the whole league. The whole league is a joke. Like, it, 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 for me, it's a reflection of, like, what I don't like about society. So just when you, at the same time that when you were, like, sort of pulling out because of Ashley, um, I was doing the same. And, but... I was kind of getting there anyway because of the whole sport. Like I don't even see it as a sport at the top level. It's mm -hmm. like financial doping, you know. And like you look at the the like just let's 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 not get away from Newcastle United because we're from the area. So let's not go Liverpool and do all this what about you, right? That deal you've just signed with them for the front of the shirt is an absolute scam. Like like just like the ownership is, and it's a way of pumping a ton of cash in and getting around the rules. Yeah. And uh, as Man City have done to me, it's it's not yeah. sport. It's like it's not even businesses now. It's states, yeah. like states using our boyhood club to mm -hmm. f like wash their image. And yeah, some well, people are I fine with that, and that's fine. But I'm not. I'm not fine with it at all. It's, no, well, I'm, I'm not fine with it. it. It's a good analysis. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with any of that, Mike. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's kind of, uh, again, it's, it's it's reflective of the world uh, around us and other issues. What mm. I will say is I feel mightily uncomfortable um, that we have um, uh, Jamie Rubin, who's one of the uh, directors, who done a great publicity stunt and done 12,000 or 13,000 as a fund matching for the money raised by the Newcastle Food Bank Appeal. Yeah. Um, you know, um, this is the Rubens' fortune, not the Saudis, by the way. But if 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 uh, Rubens' uh, uh, uncle and father spent thirteen thousand pounds a day to get rid of their twenty-two billion pound fortune, you could go back spending thirteen thousand pound a day. You can go back four and a half thousand years, which it's is crazy, to the man. building of the Great Pyramids. It's obscene. It's ridiculous. And the only way it can be changed is by uh, wholesale root and branch change. Well, I agree. And I mean, one of the things that um, I'm seeing as well is they're getting waved through on these property deals in the center of town. 
like strangely enough one of our old studios they've knocked it down now was on that site you know next to the old Odeon cinema in, mm-hmm. in the middle of the city center and um they've but they've bought up like a, a load of like space around there and i'm just like right what's going to happen with this now i wouldn't make any allegations or whatever but you don't get something for nothing in that world so i want to see that's our city center now right that so they're owning a lot of our the middle of our city center and oh. i have a real problem because obviously people are, are loath to to um criticize this for ver- a variety of reasons and i understand it i didn't want to get chinned in the city center either because there's some right rajis about but i'll still say it i understand it's hard for you to talk about because you want to get elected i get it like you can't attack the football club or, or in in our area i fully understand it i mean jesus we've lost followers because of it but i'm doing it anyway because i just feel it's a blight on my city i but, really well, do look, you know what it is is people want to, you've got to you've got to separate uh, uh to an extent you've got to separate the personal and the public at the end of the day newcastle fans had no choice in what happened with this football club i wish they did i wish we could have got rid of ashley and bought the club myself it didn't happen you're allowed to have conflicting opinions because I still love the football club, you know. I, I looked upon it uh, for many years, probably still do, is like, you know, probably the great love of your life where you got divorced, yeah. you still love it, but you couldn't live with her, you know. Um, it's easy for me. I don't go to great games anymore. I'm quite comfortable with that. I don't mind for people to get excited and see it as a... It's still a great way oh, of expressing yourself. Yeah, I, I you know, think, I, I went I to the Sam Fender concert recently and, uh, yeah. you know, there was 50,000, you know, 50,000 people there, 40,000 probably were wearing Newcastle shirts, you know. This is yeah. if Sam Fender and, uh, uh, you know, like, monopolized the Newcastle shirt, you know, which is great because it's a symbol of something greater than the Saudis or a football club, you know, and, and that's what we need to get our head around, you know. As far as the, the Rubens and landlordism goes, that's absolutely a wider issue. They were great big Tory party uh, contributors, you know, we've seen my town centres and city centres, uh, you know, went absolutely blank um, through extortionate rents, also mm-hmm. through COVID, and also through, like, you know, the internet and shopping habits. To be honest, again, it's a wider thing, and that's why let's get on to Tusk. That's why I'm involved with the the, the biggest uh, uh, anti the only anti austerity party who who stands in uh, local and general elections. Well, I quite. I mean, tell us about Tusk. Like, why is Tusk different from like other parties? Like, what what sets it apart? Well, to answer that question, you have to look at the history of Tusk. It was founded by uh, Bob Crow, the the late great uh, RMT uh, union uh, leader, who which I'm a member of actually. Um, and it was founded. Um, they didn't disaffiliate from the Labour Party as a lot of people think they did. They were actually chucked out of the Labour Party because they had the temerity to back uh, anti-austerity socialist candidates in Scotland. So yeah. uh, Bob Crow felt he had, so he had no no other choice than to form a, a, a political grouping, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's a as it says on the tin, it's a trade union and socialist coalition. And although it is um, registered as a political party, uh, as as it has to be to stand in elections, it's actually a very loose uh, affiliation coalition with uh, uh, nine or ten basic pledges which are based around um, a total commitment for candidates to stand against uh, uh, austerity, um, to back a a full social housing, council housing uh, building plan, uh, nationalisation of uh, national assets and uh, and utilities. Uh, There's obviously uh, anti-racist, you know, uh, rules, you know, when when, we, you know, We're a left-wing socialist party, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we want uh, uh, free education, university. Uh, uh, we also want, uh, you know, to 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 generally pull up by the bootstraps. What what's been what's been eroded since two thousand and seven, since the banking crash? You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. And to be honest, none of the mainstream parties, and and in that I include the Greens. Um, uh, are actually fully committed to anti-austerity. In fact, you know, I've just mentioned the Greens. The Greens have um, Caroline Lucas was their only MP. A record in Parliament wasn't great. She actually uh, helped contribute to bringing uh, Corbyn down, which was the great hope, you know. Yeah. Um, the Greens in Brighton don't have a, a a great record in local government where they take, took on the unions and the and the bin men and uh, and many people I've met personally. Some of them are like Tories on Brompton. Some of them are great, you know. But um, you know, you know, there's there's uh, they do say there's uh, watermelons and mangoes. You know, they're green on the outside, red in the middle. 
there's more there's more mangoes to be honest, mate. You know, um, yeah. and some of their views on you know on issues tend to fly with the wind. You know, I'm quite happy to say UBI is not a bad idea. Uh, you know, universal basic income, but it's not. And this is my own personal opinion. Uh, it is not a solution unless you yeah. have nationalised uh, industries. Uh, where you can supply and control the prices of electricity and gas, then all you're going to do with UBI is commoditize certain things. So, for instance, when I was 1987, and I was going for my first pint, when it was 1987, I was going for my first pint, when I was 16, by the way, uh, people were complaining about the price of a pint and Whitley Bay going up to a pound. I thought it was great. It's now six pound, you know. So six commoditization of, of stuff, uh, you know, and we need to control the sources of what's getting supplied. Like Whitley, it's like in the last sort of 10 years, it's got properly gentrified. I was shocked. Like when I went, one of my pals lives up there and she's living on some kind of proper bougie street, which is strange enough where Martin McGartland got capped. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. Um, well, well, South Parade, the old Whitley Bay is like, you know, it's like probably driving down downtown Detroit now, but there's other parts of Whitley Bay, which have really improved. But gentrification is not a Whitley Bay thing. Mm. Uh, it's it's North Shields. You know, I'm a North Shields lad. You know, the, the yeah. fish case happens here. Well, this has happened all the world over. You know, and it's um, it's former uh, hubs of community, usually working class areas, where people have been pushed out. Uh, developers have come in, but, but people have been priced out. You know, so you have yeah. people who don't have any connection with the areas uh, coming in and outpricing people. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with uh, you know. Uh, people are moving in, but there needs to be a balance, you know, and, and, and as we've seen and what we've seen right across the country, I say as a taxi driver all of the time is ghettoization of areas. Right. And that's now, why my job is a like, very scary Do you mean one. on racial lines or do you mean like on class lines or a bit of both? Like which, which way? Well, look, we have um, identity politics is very important, but what runs through all of this, and this, this is you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white middle-aged bloke saying this, but you know, let's give it some historical context. Uh, you know, um, the great, the great uh, civil rights struggle in, in America, uh, Martin Luther King, great character from history, but even even in his last few years, realised it was more than a more than a, a racial struggle. It was a class struggle. Because class, uh, and as a socialist. Uh, uh, you know, and a reasonably well-read one. I've educated myself because I was a lazy bugger at university. Realizes that um, class is the bottom line for everything, you know. And uh, and you know, we need to have a, a struggle to include everybody. You know, the, the fact is, when we've had austerity for fifteen years, it's the 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 cutting edges, the cutting surfaces have set people against each other. Identity politics is a a great thing for the right to exploit and divide people. You know. Yeah, um, I agree, mate. I, 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 just to cut in on that, I definitely share similar um, feelings about identity politics, and I did speak about up about this in 2016 and got rinsed for it. But I, like, I've got love in my heart for all people, but I do feel that like our opponents, um, they use it and they've got people on strings, and it's really easy to like rile people up because they've created these wedge issues. And a lot of these right wing people like Steve Bannon, they saw like in the sort of 80s and 90s in America, how using abortion as a wedge issue could just distract people from all of the other social problems. And I really get a sense that like, well, not a sense. I've researched this and I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on with a whole range of wedge issues. And it's like the purpose is to divide um, not just the left, but wider society. You know, because now you've got um, different alliances, like across sort of like political lines or class lines. And I can see, like, take the trans issue for, for I can see both sides of that. But I can also see from above it how people are just being played. And I think people are so invested in it, they won't look up anymore. And I think that part of class analysis, that's one of the first things you should do, look up. Well, of course it is, and uh, you know, the, the, again, I would I would probably point out like th these things have been exacerbated uh, and uh, by by the effects of austerity. You know, uh, mm. you know, the, what, you know, <laughs> I'm not an old hippie, like, but you know, like, you know, and I don't want to sound like one, but you know, it, it, you know, it is one love, like, you know, we only get one life. We, we you know, we're passing through. We get three score year and ten, poss possibly a little bit more in the rest of the world, but our life expectancy is going down in the UK. Yeah. You know, but um. These are absolutely used, um, but you know, there's good people out there, and even though they're trying to censor you, like you know, I know for a fact, you 
use what chucked off air during the last general election, you know. Yeah. But there's enough good people out there if we get together to uh, uh, to, to to bring about uh, change, you know. Um, and, and that's the thing. The whole system is is based around demoralizing people. Well, democracy isn't a true democracy. It's there. It's We have austerity, which is engineered destitution, to demoralize people. And yet, yeah. I'll take you back, 2017, you, I, and millions of other people, and people who've never mentioned politics since, were enthused by a, 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 a middle-class bloke with a beard who talked a lot of sense. He wasn't a, a radical, as, as our press and media would have it, he was yeah, just no talking problem. sense, which meant things to me and you. And I did, and I mean, I, I, for me, I was, I, I was strangely, I, I listened to an old episode, and I, it's like, you know, these Facebook memories, saw an old post from like 2015, and I was cautious about Corbyn then, I was like, because I don't trust Labour Party people. To give you an example of that, right, back then, we got offered a really decent, like, sponsorship deal by, you know, Ecotricity, Dale Vince, and all that. Like we were, we'd got the forms, we we're going to sign it, and they announced this was when Miliband was still leader, and they announced like a big um, donation to the Labour Party, and we pulled out of the deal because of Iraq and all of that, and we didn't feel like we could morally do it, and we would have done, we would have done well out of it as well, and it's like, like I, I, I'd forgotten, it. I think that gap between that bit and when Corbyn came, and I was like, I remember I, I said on one of the shows, "Who the fuck is Jeremy Corbyn?" Had no idea who he was, like didn't have that like a level of knowledge. And then one of the other people like educated us a bit about like his track record, and I was like, "Well, I listen, but I hate the Labour Party. So what? What does this have to do with me?" Fast forward, I was bloody campaigning like shit for him, like everybody else. Once I'd edu educated myself on and and realised that it was probably once in a lifetime opportunity, so I felt like I had to just drop my shit and just get behind it, like many other people did, you know. Well, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I probably a little bit different. I, I, I had campaigned for Labour in the past, you know. I, mm -hmm. me, uh, uh, me, me, me teeth were cut young. Uh, I, I remember going around uh, Tymouth and North Shields back in the 80s and we had a Tory MP called uh, Neville Trotter. And if you got your, uh, your felt a pen out uh, and done some... Uh, uh, guerrilla artwork you could make it into evil rotter you know so <laughs> uh, you know uh, so i was a labor party man i voted for them all my life but basically until 2015 for those you know since the iraq invasion exactly like you uh totally disillusioned uh, and then this bloke come along i'd heard about jeremy corbyn only because i happened to have cycled with his uh with his uh, uh, youngest son and or his middle son in, uh, uh, across Cuba in 2006, oh, and then you started looking at his, uh, you know, his uh, speech against the war and so that. Corbyn was a very genuine and uh, likable man who comes from a, a tradition in the Labour Party, which, which nearly always was on the periphery. Uh, and going back to Ben, who was Tony Ben, you know, Tony Ben was an aristocrat, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and a very great man who could uh, talk about history and summarize things in two minutes and have you wrap around his little finger. A great man, but he his socialism wasn't lived. He come from privilege, you know, um, and and Jeremy Corbyn, for for all his great attributes, um, he, as we know, he, he, not only had he not. Uh, lived it and experienced the struggle he was too soft he was too nice and I'll, and I'll tell you an example as i come to the big news i come on to today is i remember sitting in uh, mary glinden's office when i was um um a, a, a board member of the newcastle united supporters trust mm -hmm. i was also there with kevin miles who's the uh, chief executive for the football supporters association so if he ever does come on he possibly will remember this and uh it was it was 2015, just before the failed chicken coup, and and Mary Glendon, arch Blairite and absolute nondescript, uh, turned around to me and says, "The problem, Graham, with Jeremy is he's too nice." Now, fast forward 18 months, she was marching around Parliament Square with Norman Tebbit calling him an anti-Semite and having a go at Mark Wadsworth and coming out with uh, some very. Uh, of uh, borderline uh, racist uh, tropes. Now, 
you can't appease people like that, you know. They were out no. to get him. The people who brought down Corbyn were the people inside his own party, you know. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, Tony Benn's long gone now, but do you think in the present climate, Tony Benn would be a Labour Party member or would he be chucked out? Well, this is the thing I don't know because one of the issues I've got with Jeremy is the fact that he's still like going around like a little puppy trying to get back into the Labour Party when there's perfectly good parties or that out there already that he could join or amalgamate with and actually promote the cause of getting, for me, heating radiators and food and bellies. We need to get that fully sorted, you know, and nobody at all, I mean, you guys have got, got a um, plan for that. But nobody in the sort of more mainstream parties seem to be want to even talk about it. It's all about like let's get Labour elected. You mentioned um, Tusk's founding before, and I want to bring this up. Obviously, I'm aware of Bob Crow. Strange enough, I was on some kind of demo where we that me and uh, like a few others may or may not have stopped the traffic in the middle of Parliament, and Crow was there. And I tell you what, him and the mob he was with, they're a serious, were a serious outfit, big men, not to be messed with, you know. And like he had his like people around him and it was like it looked like a proper show of force he had like an old school adidas cuba top on i thought i like it like a style bob <laughs> but fast forward to now right obviously bob set like acknowledged he set up tusk and all of that mick lynch he's blatantly going to tell people to vote labor he's blatantly going to do it it's like you know people are going to be shocked but it's going to happen so what is your take on that? Like, that's a bit of a difference for the RMT, isn't it? Like, but obviously I understand different people get elected with different views. I mean, Eddie Dempsey, he has more of a Bob Crow view, doesn't he? So, Well, that's right. And it would be for them to answer. What I would say is, and, and I'm an RMT member, you know, um, uh, I think Bob Crow's uh, wider political vision was uh, much greater than Mick Lynch. You've got to give credit to Mick Lynch with these ways dealt with the media, oh, and uh, and uh, on, on an industrial scale, he's been very uh, uh, eloquent and erudite, and he's won people over, and people have understood. But as a as a wider political strategy, I don't think he has one. He's been knocking around with uh, the uh, Zara Sultana and the Enough is Enough. You know, these are all Labour Party fronts. Um, you know, when the chips have been down, the SCG, Zora Zoltana, Ian Lavery, they're nowhere to be seen, you know. Um, uh, enough is enough is going to end, unfortunately, more of the same, you know. People need to step out, and this is local as well. I, 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 I know that was two North Tyneside Labour councillors resigned last week. I know one of them, uh, Gary Madden, you know, uh, a genuinely good uh, left-wing man, you know, who couldn't put up with it any longer. He, he, he lasted right. a long time. He lasted longer than what most people would have. Yeah. But I admire uh, Gary and Kath Davis was the other one. Uh, these people should not disappear. The Laura Pidcocks should not disappear. Oh. If Jamie Driscoll doesn't want, uh, cannot stand, why is he stand for the Labour Party? Why is he going down the litigation route, which means he's put himself out of the race? Because they won't let him stand. And if he does, he'd be neutered. So there's no point. You should have step, stepped out and stood as an independent. He's out of the game now. He's going down the litigation route. Um, why doesn't someone with a higher profile... It's, it's the local version of what Corbyn's doing. It's been well, a little... Puppy. You've got to stand up to these people, man. And we, well, we're, we're looking at them as leaders, so-called leaders. Lead. Please lead. You know, that's, that's the problem that I've got with, with Driscoll. It's like... Uh, well, that and the fact that he, he spent like a hell of a lot of time that people want to edit out before all this happened, going up the arse of all of the bloody Labour right and doing it publicly. Like like photos with Lisa Nandy and that, like, and yeah. and now saying now about one of the people who put him in that role, which was which, which was Jeremy when he's been going through all of the, the latest volley of assaults against him. Well, 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 that's right. And and to be honest, there's 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 there's, coral, there's uh, similarities between uh, uh, Corbyn and Driscoll in the fact that they both want to crawl back in. You know, Corbyn would revolutionise national politics to, tomorrow by announcing he's standing for the London Mayor because yeah. it would have a national impact, even though it's a city uh, election. Uh, uh, Driscoll could possibly do the same. But, you know, I, I, I'm, we can't just rely on individuals. You know, democracy is about uh, individuals coming together and forming groups, you know. Um, ha having said that, you know, you had Northwest Durham. There's been all sorts of stuff going on there in the Labour Party. You know, And I know Laura Pidcock was on here, and I watched the podcast. She was very good. Why didn't she come forward? Why didn't someone like that? They've got a higher profile than me or, you know, some of the people on North Tyneside Tusk, you know, but we're willing to make a stand. And to be honest, I'm on here today to say that uh, we have already secured the funds for two deposits to put two general election candidates oh, out in the North Tyneside area. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Where are you going to, which, which um, constituencies? Well, the, the, the steering committee have uh, of North Tyneside Tusk have... Uh, 
um, uh, pinpointed timeout in which I'll be standing. Uh, yes. And I will be standing against uh, Arch Blair Wright and uh, Labour Chief Whip, who gets all of the Labour MPs to sit on their hands and uh, go along with Tory policies and the policing bill. Um, in Tynemouth, that's Sir Alan Campbell, by the way. And the other one a will be challenged. Game. Mary Glyndon will be challenged in uh, North Tyneside, uh, the North Tyneside constituency, which is predominantly Wall's End and the bottom of the North Shields. Um, and she will be, as it stands, will be challenged by William Jarrett of Tusk. Um, right. And I say as it stands because uh, that is not fully ratified because William is quite uh, happy if a, a suitable female candidate uh, goes through the process, he'll be quite willing to stand down for that. Yeah, but as it stands, it'll be me and William Jarrett. And we're going to have a go. Um, you know, people always say, they always say, oh, well, you know, politics is not for me. There are liars. Uh, well, you know, if, if you don't like it, stand up for yourself and come forward. And that's what we've done. And you've got a chance to vote for two working people. Um, William's background, by the way, is very interesting. It's a programme in itself because he comes from Detroit and he has a, a very, very interesting and colourful uh, background and political journey. That's for another day. But, you know... I'll definitely have his back on, like, like obviously in the future, but definitely around the elections and that, because I just think he's a good people and you're trying to do good things with a good heart. So if we can help you with that, we'll do it. Because as far as I'm concerned, I think the next general election's up for grabs. And there's, given the, all these polls, right, which put Labour well out in front, well, the, the, if you believe them, then all of that, like, sort of, oh, well, you've got to get the Tories out thing doesn't matter because they'll romp it. So why not vote with, yeah, with, why not vote for the world you want to see? So if that's like your platform, then pe I think people should vote for you. Yeah, well, absolutely. People have got to make their own choices. I mean, Tusk are aiming to have 100 candidates. 100 general election candidates would mean you get national coverage through political broadcast where you don't have to pay for it. We're not funded um, by, uh, you know, by any private interests or billionaires or millionaires. It's all through workers' contributions. We have ongoing fundraisers. There's one going on at the minute. Um, which ends in three days. You know, we take small contributions from workers to fight local uh, campaigns and politics and to plan for local elections and general elections. Mm -hmm. But um, generally, you know, when people are saying, you know, you made, the, you made the wider point you hear all of the time, I'll get it on the doorstep as, you know, uh, uh, when we stand for election is, oh, well, you know, you're a good bloke, you talk a good game, but we can't do that. Uh, you know, we've got to vote Labour to get rid of the Tories. Well, you know, the, it's an indisputable fact that the people that are asking you to vote Labour are the people who put the Tories in. They are the Tory enablers, you know. This is, you know, this isn't a functioning democracy. You have two parties who all agree on austerity, which, uh, you know, which is an absolute nonsense, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we can't keep voting for the same people, making the same mistakes and expecting people to things to change. I did that in the 1990s. You would have done the same. You know, when Blair come along, to be honest, he had some he had some charisma, you know, he had some things to say, but it was all based on smoke and mirrors and lies. Uh, and at the end of the day, 30 years on, it's actually worse off because we're paying all of the bills, the PFIs and the, the costs of the wars have all been passed on to working people. You know what it is? It, it was a bad mistake. I regret it for the rest of my life. I didn't stop voting for, for, for Blaze until this, the second time around. At the right. end of the day, we're, we're now paying the bills. We can't afford to make the same mistake because if the planet, as all of the experts seem to say, is you know heating up and deteriorating, we haven't got 30 years to waste. We've got to do it now. We've got to start somewhere. And the whip system that controls local politics, local authorities, and parliament means that you know all of you might have like three 350 labor mps they're all controlled by sir alan campbell and time off mm -hmm. so they can't have an independent voice just as they can't have an independent voice in in, in in local authority so you're better off having one or two or 20 or 30 independents around the country in a general election who could actually affect change because look at the tories are finished mm -hmm. for now you know, the whole plan is, and I'm, you know, it's not conspiracy theory. Look, the media is controlled by a handful of billionaires and corporate interests. You know, Keir Starmer is the safe pair of hands for the money people. Of course, he is. Anybody when who's he, like got any kind of serious analysis of the situation based on evidence will have that opinion, unless well, they're in some yeah. delusional mind state where it's like, get the Tories out, uh, tunnel vision. 
You know, well, I mean, it, it, it's Stockholm syndrome. You know, we've got to break out of this. The only way you can do is by locally organising. You know, and uh, I'm not just involved with trade unionists and socialist party members and independents. You have local campaigners coming forward and saying, you know what it is. I'm going to stand up. Why are we cutting? You know, I, you know, people are coming. I work in mental health. Why have we cut the safety nets? Because yeah. you know what it is. We had austerity for so long, and the one question. Well, there's two questions people don't ask. Where do we find the money to uh, fund wars when we say we can't fund the, the NHS uh, and other services? And the the other question is, when you got rid of all of these um, uh, services uh, funded by the public purse during austerity, when are they going to come back? Yeah. When you ask that question, you, you, know, you already know the answer. They don't come back. Once they've gone, they've gone. Well, quite. I mean, that's the thing. It's We've seen that time and again where they're just like, oh, well, we can't do that now. We've got to get rid of this. Or It never comes back. It's always about like taking more and more away. I mean, but for me, both the Labour and the Tory party want some kind of like like Ryanair-style government where it's just you've got to like like have the bare bones and then if you want to take your bag with you, it's going to cost you about 50 quid. They seem to have a similar like mentality. And also, I think, you know, look what's happened with Maury Black. Like she's like still in her twenties, and she's just said like, "No, nah, I'm not doing this anymore." It's a toxic workplace, you know. It's um, we're we're losing the good people because they're getting swallowed up by the way it's all set up, and the bad people are running amok, you know. The Laura well, Pidcocks, you... the Maury Blacks, they should be there as a fixture, you know. Well, of course, you know. The, look at the, the the biggest threat to progress as it stands now politically in this country is not the Tories. We know what they are. The, the, their plan is to come back in 10 years. You know, mm -hmm. the biggest threat as a Labour government with a huge majority. As it happens, right, I yeah. don't think they will get that. I think it may well be a hung parliament. Um, uh, and all the better for it. We need independence coming through. We need something forming. I, I'm not here today to say Tusk is the answer. Uh, in fact, anybody involved with Tusk would say it wasn't. Uh, it, it, what it is, is a framework for people to come forward and build something new, a yeah. new left. You know, I, I, I'm I'm traditionally not a trade trade unionist. I, I, all of my work in life, I've been in non-unionized jobs. You know, well, most of my work in life anyway. You know, I'm a taxi yeah. driver. I'm in the most radical, uh, or so-called radical uh, union in the country, and yet, as a as a private hire taxi driver, there's probably two or three of us on Tyneside, and then there'll be a few hacks on top of that. You know, um, there's lots of. Uh, uh, battles to be fought and wars to be won, but without a wider political strategy, which we obviously lack in this country, um, you know, um, we're always going to struggle. It needs to happen now. Other people need to come forward. If I can be, and a few of us can be political pioneers to inspire better and more talented people in the future, that's great. You know, we'd like to see it today or tomorrow. We'll put you in place of me. <laughs> But I mean, this is the thing, mate. It's like uh, I'm really chuffed to hear that you've got the money to to get this going, and we're definitely behind you because obviously we've chatted for a while. I mean, like just let people know we're listening. I didn't bother writing any questions. I mean, we've never actually spoke like this before, but we spoke a lot online, and I just didn't feel like I needed it. I just thought I'd and I am. I'll just we'll have a chat. You know what I mean? And that's the best shows, and I think hopefully, um, I mean, I think people probably would feel this, the same. You've come over very well. And I think we need more working class voices, like more and more constantly. So if anybody's watching this now and um, wants to get involved, then how would they do that? Well, well look, at we have we have a, a Twitter presence. We have a North Tyneside Tusk for me locally. Uh, uh, Tusk has uh, websites where you can get in touch uh, uh, and you can get in touch with me. You can form your own group. That's what happened on North Tyneside. Um, you know, Tusk only existed for a few years when Corbyn came along. It was, just, you know, it suspended um, campaigning because, you know, there was a hope of getting some change in the Labour Party, you know. That's now dead in the water. Now's yeah. the time to get back on the bike, you know. <laughs> You know, to well, really the, figure start it out the show. Is, uh... But look, you know, uh, you know, I'm here hopefully to inspire people and you know, and to get people thinking. But it, it, if you, if you're in the northeast, uh, don't listen to me. Go to the miners' gallery at the weekend. Yeah. There'll be there'll be a hundred, there'll be hundred and twenty thousand people uh, uh, marching, uh, uh, remembering the history and the heritage and and the hope because. That's what we lack in this world is hope, you know. And mm. uh, and as much as our political system is broken and doesn't work, the greatest threat to uh, the control that the corporates have and the Americanization of a whole system, the greatest threat is actually people turning out to vote. Yeah, I agree. And, and I know I've rambled on a little bit. 
2017, I always remember, you know, it's a, it's a taxi driver anecdote. And I'm really political. And lots of the time when campaigns are going on, I'll bring the subject up. I didn't this night. I picked a heavily pregnant woman up from the local bingo hall. And she, I was taking her down to East Howden. And uh, she brought it up and says, oh, well, uh, uh, will you be voting tomorrow? And on the eve of the election, you know, we knew things were happening, but we still thought we'd get beat, you know. We started that campaign in 2017, we being Labour. Uh, yeah thinking we're going to get thrashed and then we thought oh we might have a sniff right but on that eve of that election a heavily pregnant woman turned around to me and says oh well i'll be voting jeremy corbyn uh, she was in her mid-30s by the way she'd already had four kids you know and um and she actually said uh i've been inspired to vote for the first time in my life because i want a decent house East Howden's one of the areas which is really, really run down. Victorian housing, which hasn't been touched for years. Another, what I would call, ghetto. Um, and I was moved to tears just by listening to her. And, and I get goosebumps yeah. about that all of the time. And I remember telling that tale when, as <laughs> after the 2019 election, where they went to have the new leadership um, vote in the local Labour Party and Walls End Labour Club. And, um, and I told that story. And it was it was it was poo pooed. It was oh you, you can't go down that line, and yet only only forty seven fifty percent of people turn out. If we had more people like that pregnant woman who was inspired to vote for the very first time, then would have changed tomorrow. Unfortunately, well, like about, that woman probably didn't vote in two thousand and nineteen. Should be totally disillusioned, you know. Yeah, well, this is the thing. What I like about what you do is, is you work, go out there in the community, you work on the ground. I'm always seeing you talking to people and actually doing that outside of an election cycle, which is, um, you know, quite rare. And I think that's the way to build from the ground up. Which is obviously, if we haven't got enough, um, if you haven't got enough like money, then you're just putting the shoe leather in. You're talking to people. I mean, have you found that that's actually building a base for you in North Tyneside? Well, well, of course it is. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm never surprised. I, well, possibly initially, but I'm never surprised by the generosity of working class people. You know, because yeah. it, it, it's solidarity. You know, I mean, there's a reason we have so many charities that yeah. exist because they knock poor areas. You know, I and, and about I'll declare my wife worked for a charity, a very well known charity for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, big big charities rely on. Um, poor areas uh, and to be honest ideally wouldn't have any charity we shouldn't have a need for charity you know? no, there's enough money in this world it, no. to be able to fund the right things but um uh, we're not asking for charity we're asking for people to get involved if you want to make a donation that's great but it would be much better if you made a donation and said you know what it is i'm going to come along to a meeting i'm going to knock the door or i'm going to stand as a candidate you know like i yeah. said Democracy is a wonderful thing, and that's why all of the uh, all of the corporations and all of the big parties are terrified of it. They don't want you yeah, to vote. Man. They don't want you to participate. And we're well on the way to going down the American route, you know. Definitely, we'll just bring this to a close. I would strongly suggest the people of North Tyneside get behind us. Um, I'd really love to see you in Parliament giving them all the shit. It would just be fantastic. It would be fantastic, mate. Well, thanks very much. You know, um. Well, you know, uh, we, we've got to start somewhere and I think we can make an impact and you just never know. Like I say, the potential is there in democracy itself, you know. If enough people get out there and vote, and enough people, it's not just voting, by the way, it's everyday stuff, like you say, you know. Um, we've got loads of talented people coming forward. We have, you know, people working in the NHS, uh, it, uh, sh shop stewards, uh, long-time nurses, porters, drivers, whatever you want, you know. It's... It's open to everybody. And the other thing I probably haven't mentioned as well, it, although we talk about class and stuff like that, austerity has affected all classes, by the way. This is, yeah. you know, this is the first time since the war that uh, the younger generations aren't going to do as well as their parents, you know, and yeah. that's in middle-class families and upper-class families as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so so pe but people are going different directions because of the way our media works, you know. It's alternative media sources like yourself and others out there where we can make a difference. We'll be ongoing. We'll not go away. I would like to come back or, or that people come back on your show and see how we're going. Oh, you're welcome, right? I, of course, yeah, you're more than welcome. And um, definitely like leading into these elections, we want to try and get behind. Great we, we never got to that Jeremy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer story either, you know? <laughs> oh, man, right. We'll do it next time because we're going like, <laughs> to... No honestly, I've got, I've got another bit of thing that I have to do and I want to get this out for you immediately, like on the audio. Look, so. I'll just do some terrible guerrilla advertising. 
Tusk against the cuts. Nice one. Bob Grady <laughs> saying, can you put up a fundraising link? How would it was it tusk.org to usc.org? We have the best thing to do is a Facebook. You've got uh, Tusk North Tyneside. Uh, ju just put that in. We've got a fundraiser. It's going for the next three days. Um, yes. Let me just get it up briefly if I can. Um, yeah, we've you can pay by PayPal and stuff like that. Um, right. Obviously, it's all above board, you know, and this will go to uh, campaigns to, to save more local infrastructure at the minute. The general election money is already ring fenced, but we will right. be raising. We need lots more money for leaflets and stuff. And well, I'll share, I'll share the, your link on our uh, social media. When I'll, we're get some, I'll get someone more qualified than me to send you a link over, Mike. All right. Oh, it's sound, mate. I'll just go on Facebook and get it and just share <laughs> it from there. <laughs> but uh, like I say, I'm on welcome back on. I've really enjoyed talking to you too, mate, just on a human level. And I'm sure we could talk again. And right. as I say, the best ones are when I don't prepare questions because I get a sense that he's good crack. So I don't need to bother, you know. So nice. Well, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about traveling books the next time and films and stuff like that. Now that I need bother, I. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure, mate. And um, keep in touch. And if you want out sharing, keep a, let we know what how we are building in North Tyneside because there's still plenty of time to build grassroots with the shoe leather and all that. So, oh, you know. absolutely, it's never too late. And it's all about uh, uh, having hope, you know, so we can change. People say you can't change, just say, why not? You know, get out there, do it yourself. Yeah. All right, definitely, mate. Well, pr appreciate you coming. I'm going to do a quick out run and um, just give us a shout in a week and let us know how you're getting on, eh? All the best, Mike. Take care, mate. Yes, all the best. All the best. See you. I was Graham Cansdale from Tusk. Lovely lad, as you can see. And I'm really chuffed to hear that they've got the funding secured to be able to stand in North Tyneside. Um, reminders on to tell you this, my Sir Alan Campbell story in the future. I'm going to about to tell Graham now off air. And uh, if I'm feeling spicy, I'll tell you because it's a mad one. But um, if you want to support the work, please go to patreon.com forward slash cowdaily. That's patreon.com forward slash cowdaily. Link in the description for PayPal as well if you want to make one-off contribution to work. Right, nice one. Really nice to uh, be back and seeing you. And thanks for all the comments. We've got as many of them on, on the screen as we possibly could. But um, next time we'll do a proper Q&A with Graham if people want to, um, want to ask him directly because he's probably sick of me talking. And that's fine. I would be sick of me too. Right, all the best. I'll see you soon. Ta-da. Mm -hmm.